Ever wonder why you struggle to make decisions even though you make decisions all the time? Most of the time we think it has to do with the circumstances of the decision, but today I'm talking about why I think we really struggle with decision making and what to do about it. Welcome to Fruition Mindset, where it's all about mindset coaching for Christian entrepreneurs. Hey, I see you trying to get this thing to work for you, but feeling like you're struggling with decisions and stuck in doubt. You're afraid to commit, you feel like you have one foot in and one foot out, and you keep second guessing your every move. When I wanted to start my first business over 10 years ago, I was the same way. It didn't matter how many letters I had behind my name or what my credentials were, I never felt qualified. I'm Kayla Eggenberger, wife, mom, and daughter of the king, and I'm here to tell you that you can transform your mindset, ditch doubt, and take confident action in your business. Your breakthrough is on the other side of letting go of all these fears you have around your business, finally saying yes and stepping into who God has created you to be and where he's calling you to go. If you're ready to develop the mindset you need to take the dreams and goals God has laid on your heart and bring them into fruition, you are in the right place. So fill up your favorite mug, grab your journal, and get ready to take some thoughts captive. Well, hey there. I hope you are having a fantastic week. It is absolutely gorgeous today in North Texas. The wind is blowing, but not as much as it has been lately. But the sun is shining, and I can hear birds outside, and... Spring, it just feels so good. So let's get into our topic for today. Today we are talking about why decisions are so important and so hard to make. Now, if you've been around me for any length of time, you hear me say this all the time. Decisions are the building blocks of your life. And your current results, basically what your life is right now, your current experience, is largely a result of the decisions that you've made yesterday, last week, last year, 10 years ago, you get the idea. And while we can't control everything and every circumstance, we still get to decide what to do with those circumstances and how we want to react. And we ultimately influence what those circumstances mean in our lives and what results come from them. And I think this makes a lot of sense. We all know this. We know that, you know, what we did yesterday, what we ate um, will affect how we feel today. Decisions that we made last week will affect what our situation is today. The flip side of that is that the decisions that we make today will impact and create the results in our future. So what we do today has a huge impact on what our reality is next week. A month from now, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. And oftentimes I think about myself 10 years from now. I think about how what I do is going to impact myself 10 years from now. And it really helps me put things in perspective and make different decisions than I would just in the moment, right? So I think we all kind of understand why decisions are so important. It's because they shape our lives. It basically creates our lives. Um, You know, it could be argued that our lives are kind of the sum total of all the decisions that we've made. And some are really big, and those are the ones that we tend to think about. Um, And some are really small. And a lot of them we make without even realizing that we're making them. And we will get into that more later. 
So let's talk about why it's so hard to make decisions. I think, first of all, a lot of us believe that we are either good at making decisions or we're not. You know, we, we talk about ourselves as being decisive or indecisive. I hear that a lot of times from my clients. And we say these things as though they're just the truth. You know, like we're either born great decision makers or we're not. And I can understand why. But I think that the reason that so many people struggle with decision making is because most of us were never taught how. And I think that whenever it comes to our parents, like I knew what what decisions my parents what decisions my parents wanted me to make, but I don't recall them ever really teaching me as a thought process or a way to make those decisions, um, other than telling me <laughs> the decisions that they wanted me to make. And you know, I don't know about you, but there was no decision making class in my um, in my elementary school or um, any of my schooling, even in college. I don't recall there being like a decision-making 101. <laughs> and if there was, uh, I didn't take that course. So I think that that is one of the one of the reasons that so many people struggle to make decisions. And it's not like people don't want you to have this information or trying to keep it from you. Um, I think that a lot of our parents weren't taught how to make decisions. And so I actually think we get a lot of our decision-making um, strategies from sitcoms. And I will actually do a deep dive into that <laughs> later on in the show, but I really think that's where we get the majority of our decision-making tools. So let's say you want to become a better decision maker. And with most things, if you want to get better at something, you just do it more and more and more, right? You just do it a lot. Um, but we already make decisions like all the time. I read something that said that we make an estimated 3,500 decisions per day. And researchers at Cornell University found that we make about 226.7 decisions each day on food alone, which sounds crazy to me. I feel like they must have gone and studied people that were eating at Subway or Chipotle or one of these places where you have to <laughs> where you have to make a lot of decisions in a very short amount of time just for one dish because 226.7 decisions per day on food alone sounds a little bit crazy but I can see it I mean this is what they found so we're making decisions all the time and 3500 per day that sounds a little wild as well right but a lot of times we're making these decisions without even realizing that we're making them. If we take the time to consciously make decisions all day, every day about every single little thing, we would have no time to do anything else other than <laughs> be in our head making decisions. And so, you know, we develop habits and we do these things over and over and over again. There are some decisions that, you know, our brain knows she does this every day. And so it is relegated and it becomes a habit. And it's not something that you have to consciously think about over and over and over again. But still, those decisions are being made. They've just kind of been made previously enough to where your brain says, okay, we get it. This is what you have for breakfast. Or this is how you do your hair. Or this is how you put your eye makeup on. Whatever it is. There are things that become habit. And I bring this up because it's really important to recognize that that's happening. Especially if you are not getting the result that you want in your life or you are wanting to create something new um, for your future, 
It's important to look at those decisions that are being made almost on autopilot and reevaluate and see like, oh, is this still how I want to do things? And so I'll do a whole podcast on this at some point, um, but it's just something to keep in mind. Okay, so we're already making a ton of decisions, okay? I don't think we necessarily need to go and start making a lot more decisions in order to get better at decision-making. What we really need is a better strategy and better tools to make decisions, and then we need to practice those. So first, let's go back to basically how we've learned to make decisions um, from sitcoms, (laughs) okay? So for instance, let's take the show Friends. Ross has to make a lot of decisions on that show. And I think that he he gives us a lot of maybe maybe cautionary tales of maybe what not to do when making decisions. Probably the most common or memorable example is whenever he has to choose between Rachel and Julie. And this is whenever they use the infamous pros and cons list. And now the pros and cons list is the tool that we get taught, the one tool that we really kind of get taught, right, to use. Um, You hear this a lot and you especially hear about it on sitcoms. Sitcoms love a pros and cons list. But it appears that most people do. This is what I see all the time whenever people are trying to make decisions, say, um, about anything, and they put it in a Facebook group or in a Facebook post, and they're asking for input. And inevitably, you will see people say, like, make a pros and cons list, see which line is, you know, see see which side is bigger. Um, And I think that there is some value to a pros and cons list, but I also think that there are much better ways to make decisions than a pros and cons list. Okay, so Ross is trying to decide between Rachel and Julie, and he makes the pros and cons list at the suggestion of his friends, um, which, you know, like I said, this is what is usually the advice that comes up anytime anybody is trying to make a decision and kind of crowdsourcing information. So anyway, he, he goes to make the list and he comes up with several, a lot of good qualities that Julie has, right? And then he doesn't really have that many great qualities for Rachel. For Rachel, he puts, I think that she's spoiled and I think that maybe she has fat ankles or something like that. But then on the on the Julie part for a con, the only thing he can come up with is that she's not Rachel. And of course, if you watch the show, you know that Rachel finds this list is very offended and the whole thing blows up in his face. So (laughs) don't do that. Um, If you're going to make a pros and cons list about someone, make sure that they don't see it. Okay. The great thing about a pros and cons list is that just like in this situation, it helps to show you your thoughts right? About the situation. It helps for you to see what you're thinking and actually put your thoughts down onto paper. And there's a lot of value in that. The limitations of the pros and cons list are that you can't just fill out one and the other um, and then have a decision. You can't look at which one is longer. It doesn't help you evaluate which entries have more weight. And so For instance, in this situation where Ross's con for Julie is that she's not Rachel, for him, that trumped everything else, right? Like, she's not Rachel. She's not the one that I love. She's not the one that, you know, I've wanted to be with since I was a teenager. And so it doesn't give you that ability to evaluate those thoughts. It's not enough to be just aware of what your thoughts and your reasons are for a certain decision, you also have to have a way to evaluate those thoughts and those reasons in order to make 
powerful decisions. Okay, so the pros and cons list, that's probably the most common tool that we use. It's one that we're actually taught that does have some value. And then of course, there's some serious, um, some serious, some silly ones that we see on the show as well. And that kind of come up in everyday life, right? A little bit. So there's the magic eight ball. Um, I remember whenever Ross was trying to decide whether or not uh, he was going to honor Emily's request and not see Rachel anymore um, in order to be able to stay married to her. And here he is over here shaking and asking the magic eight ball. <laughs> like, that's a great way to make that huge life changing decision. Um, whether or not to preserve his marriage or preserve his friendship, he's over here asking a magic eight ball. But at the same time, some of us feel kind of like that at times. Whenever we're pulled in two different directions and the pool is really strong, um, sometimes it's like, hey, somebody just tell me what to do, even if it's like a stupid magic eight ball. And of course, I think it says to like ask again later, which is <laughs> a lot of times what the magic eight ball says. And once again, it's kind of a silly thing. It's, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot of us that are really relying on a magic eight ball to uh, help us with our life decisions. A lot of our other methods that we use and that we get from sitcoms have to do with basically just chance, you know, um, and some of them are valuable. Like say flip a coin. If you have two decisions that you just can't decide between one or the other, it's not that huge of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. It's why not flip a coin, right? <laughs> Although, if you watch the Friends episode where Ross slips the coin and somebody's supposed to call it and they don't call it in the air, he's like, somebody has to call it this time. Um, remember, you do have to make that decision, right? You have to decide whether you're going to be heads or tails. So there's technically still a decision involved. And then there's rock, paper, scissors, another one of those little easy tactical things to decide something, decide who's going to go first, who's going to do this, who's going to do that. And you have, um, <laughs> you have, I can't remember who, I think it was, I think it was Rachel Chandler and Joey, I think, I can't remember correctly. Um, they were playing rock, paper, scissors to figure out who was going to do something. And Joey introduced fire, right? <laughs> the fire one that, um, that basically, destroyed rock paper and scissors and then phoebe came along and she introduced water balloon which then obviously destroyed everything and then the fire and you may be thinking well that's just silly right <laughs> that's just silly but at the same time it's not uncommon to struggle with making a decision um and sometimes we 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 can laugh at these things these little tactics or these little ways of doing things but the way that we make decisions sometimes isn't really all that much better. So let's move on to one that I think that we hear a lot of, not just on sitcoms, but actually in the real world. I always see this um, listed whenever somebody's asking for advice. I see this on there somewhere. Um, like in the comments, people will give this advice. And that this advice is follow your heart. And while I think this advice has such a good intention behind it, I also think it can be very dangerous. It sounds so lovely, right? It sounds so great. Follow your heart, right? And I think that whenever, you know, whenever we make that suggestion to people, we think that, oh, you know, we mean like choose what's in alignment with the person you want to become and what God wants for you and the future you want to create. I think that's the intention. <laughs> but at the same time, Following your heart usually ends up meaning following your feelings, 
which is not always a great way to make decisions. We know that, right? Um, We know that a lot of times how we feel in the moment, if we follow that, it absolutely is not in alignment with the person that we want to become, what God wants for us, and the future that we want to create. So it's something that we can really get into trouble with. But you see this on sitcoms all the time, right? Um, follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. It's just kind of beat into us. And so we think, oh, that's a great way to make a decision. We just follow our hearts. And meanwhile, what we're really doing most of the time is just following our feelings. Uh, it reminds me of an old Matchbox 20 song where um, the lyrics are, everybody's trusting in their heart like their heart don't lie. And... I think about that whenever I think about making decisions kind of based on following your heart. Um, the Bible warns against this in Jeremiah 17, 9. Um, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So anyway, <laughs> although it sounds beautiful, it sounds lovely. Um, at the same time, it can be dangerous if we are coming from a place of following our feelings versus coming from a place of really being in alignment with the person that we want to become and what God wants for us and the future we want to create. So decision-making is tricky. It's super important, as we've already talked about, and we make these decisions all the time, right? Even the little ones add up to be big things. Um, And then there's all the big decisions too. So we're making these decisions all the time and most of us don't have a great framework or haven't really been taught how to make powerful decisions. And that's why I want to share some really good news with you. And that is that decision-making is a learnable skill. That's right. It is something that you can learn. You can become someone who makes decisions quickly and easily and I'm just here to tell you that that is, that is absolutely possible for you. Um, I used to be very indecisive. On personality tests, I'm always the learner, the investigator, the contemplator. Basically, whatever personality overthinks things to death, um, that's me. And I know that not everyone's problem is analysis paralysis, but... If I can go from crazy analysis paralysis, overthinking everything, to powerful decision maker, you can too. If there's one thing that I want you to take away from this episode, it's that powerful decision making is a learnable skill. And what you create in your life literally depends on it. You can get so much out of just looking at how you normally make decisions. It's not something that we think about a lot, right? We just go about our day making decisions. Think about some of the big decisions that you've made recently or in the recent past. How did you make those decisions? Did you ask other people? What was your thought process? As you go about the rest of your day, think about what unconscious decisions, these habits that you've created, that you're of things that you're doing that you're not even thinking about. Just creating some awareness around how you make decisions. What result is that creating for you? I love pretty much everything Jim Rohn has ever said. <laughs> and I'm reminded of an illustration that he used to give, which is um, he used to say, what if an apple a day really does keep the doctor away? You know, how easy would that be to do an apple a day? And he, he talks about how what's easy to do is also easy not to do. But he's kind of talking about habits, right? An apple a day. What if it really did keep the doctor away? But then he puts it on the flip side and he says, you know, having a Hershey bar today isn't a bad, isn't a bad thing. But he's like, what if you have a Hershey bar every day? 
And then everyone can obviously see that that's going to eventually have a significant effect. Both of them can, right? Apple a day, Hershey bar a day. They're going to have two very different effects. So when we look at our decisions, it's not just how we make the big decisions. It's also the little decisions that we make every day as well. Having a framework and and being aware and evaluating both of those, both our thoughts whenever it comes to the big decisions and also what's going on with our habits as well. In the next episode, we are going to talk about the five decision-making mistakes keeping you stuck. I hope you have a wonderful week and we will talk soon. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening and for hanging out with me today. If this podcast has blessed you in some way, I would love for you to share it with a friend and leave a review on iTunes. When you leave a review, it helps the podcast grow and reach more people. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon. Mm